When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Groove Booking. Because that's my company and this is my podcast, so duh. edit your stuff or is this just gonna be straight up i do edit okay um and we are rolling now okay uh i will edit a little bit but probably not like every awkward pause and everything okay just because i i like to leave it raw in that sense but you know i definitely don't want any super awkward moments okay So I say that I won't edit this and then I will. Okay. And then I'll listen to the entire thing back and be like, oh yeah, I'm going to edit all of this. So anyways, uh, Thomas Muglia. Good to see you, man. Good to see you. Thank you for coming out. Um, You are the first guest on this podcast. I don't know what I'm calling it necessarily yet, which I should probably figure out really soon. Uh, I think I'm just going to literally call it Groove Booking. Groovecast? Ooh, Groovecast. Groovecast. I'm going to write that one down. Okay. Or or you can remind me. Yes. Hell, thanks for having (laughs) me, man. It's an honor. Absolutely, man. You, um, I was actually just thinking earlier how we met. And do you remember how we met? I was thinking earlier how we met too. I do. Okay. So it was through Laura. Yeah. Right? Okay. So uh I don't know if you're still in contact with Laura whatsoever, but no. she's um she's still a pretty good friend of mine, Laura Walsh. Um uh singer songwriter, moved uh she lives in Nashville now. Oh sweet. But I remember I was playing where were we? Some high school auditorium, I think. I do remember it was an auditorium, but I don't remember what the event was for. So we did, Laura and I were on the same season of American Idol. Don't quote me on this, but I think we were on the same season. Okay. Um, and when we, none, neither of us got super far, but we got far enough for it to be like a thing. Right. And then uh, when we came back, I believe this event got thrown by someone. Maybe she threw it, but it was like a, we were on American Idol kind of concert. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Cause I remember, I remember you guys did a civil war song together. I don't remember that. Okay. (laughs) So all I really remember is she introduced me to you. I had never heard of who you were. And and really at that time, like I didn't have my, I didn't have group booking. I didn't have a company. So Mm -hmm. I mean, my like artist knowledge was just those who I had played with. Um, but I think the first thing I remember was like, oh, he's wearing hearing aids Mm. and I don't mean this to be like weirder, but, but I found that really interesting because I was like, and I think I remember asking Laura, like, oh, like I, I don't, I've never met a musician that wears hearing aids. And I think I asked you a lot later, not like the first time we ever met. I was like, what's the deal with the hearing? (laughs) There are some people like that. There are, I was not going to be that guy. Um, but I, but I want you to kind of speak on that because I think that's really interesting to a lot of people, how you can be such a amazing singer, especially just like without a monitor, without an in-ear mix and, you can still hear yourself so well. And I understand that's what hearing aids do, but I, I, I still want you to speak on, um, you were born with it, correct? Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so very interesting thing. My sister and I both, my older sister who plays a little bit for groove, uh, she's also a professional musician, very accomplished musician. And, uh, we both have the same hearing loss for completely different reasons. Okay. From birth which is very strange. Um, yeah. But that kind of brought us closer together 
because we grew up and we just had that in common. Uh, for I for both of us, I think it was pretty much just our normal, mm-hmm. and I can't really say what it's what it's been like because I don't know what it's not been like. Um, yeah, of course. So it's I don't know. It I know what what the challenges are for sure. Uh, but my dad is a singer songwriter, which I want to get to at church some point. musician. My mom's a music teacher, so both of us were just massively exposed to music from like basically infant infanthood so mm-hmm. we um we both just kind of picked it up and the hearing aids are amazing i can guarantee we wouldn't be musicians without the hearing aids <laughs> um because if i take them out i can rely on what i know mm-hmm. uh, both of us have perfect pitch well i don't know if she has like perfect perfect pitch but we both can like recall notes very easily. So if we take them out, we can still do it. Mm-hmm. But it's off of memory at that point, not off of like functioning ears. Um, so we've like learned music really well through having hearing aids. And then we just got to like a muscle memory point where we can function in different environments. Neither of us have really learned how to use in-ears yet, which is challenging. I bet. But yeah. I hope to at some point. There's some new technology and... It's always improving. Yeah. So, I mean, it's very hard for somebody without any hearing loss to understand what you would hear without hearing aids. So, I mean, when you don't wear hearing aids, can you describe if it's a muffle sound, if it's just straight up a volume loss? Like, try to kind of describe what that's like. Yeah. This is where being a musician helps to to describe yeah. <laughs> it. Um, so you you mix and record and stuff, right? So yeah. basically, for anyone who does that, it's as if you take a big scoop out of the mid-range of the EQ. Okay. Like a giant scoop. And for me, like that's where my loss is. Yeah. And actually the highs too. It's kind of just an entire like... Um, would that be a low pass? It'd be a low pass, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically like a giant low pass gets put over my ears. So I can only hear bass. That is very interesting. Or it'd be like if you went underwater. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think how you would sing. I don't even know how you would sing because you're saying it's like muscle memory, but can you hear your head voice without them and still kind of tell the note that you're singing up to a certain frequency? I can hear my own voice because it's resonating in my own skull. That's what I'm asking. Um, but like yes. if you sang falsetto, would you still be able to hear it? Oh, that's really interesting. I don't know. Okay. I don't know if like the nuances of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that I can turn them off and still sing in key, like turn off the hearing aids. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's just because we've learned, both of us can do that. Just we've both learned how to use our voices and yeah. our like tonal memory to that point. That's, I can't even tell you how interesting that is because, I mean, maybe you know of more musicians and artists that do have, um, hearing impairment i guess that's mm-hmm. what you would want to call it um i mean i'd certainly know a lot of people with hearing loss <laughs> from yeah. from damaging their hearing including yeah. me um but nothing like what you and your sister experience i'm sure because it is an actual like medical diagnosis or whatever you want to call it yeah um so, so what what is the condition that you have called as opposed to what your sister has if you can kind of explain that we would both have what's called a moderate to severe hearing loss. And um, I don't think this is correct, but mm-hmm. I think it kind of equates to like a 60, 70% loss. I don't know if you can really put percentages on it. Cause like I said, it has to do with frequencies and there's a lot of different things that go into it. Right. Uh, my loss was a result of being born with um, group B strep. 
I'm oh, not wow. a, I'm not a doctor, so don't quote me on any of this. But um, it sounds medically accurate. I don't know. I yeah. So I was born very very sick, okay. and that was the only thing that happened. Like the doctors told my parents, plan the funeral. He's not going to make it. It was that intense. Whoa. And uh, so I came out relatively unscathed with wow. just a hearing loss. My sister was for a different reason, but similar. We were both, we both kind of had traumatic births. Wow. I can't even imagine being told like, oh, plan your baby's funeral. Like, yeah. Whoa. Well, I'm glad you and your sister are here. Yeah. <laughs> and and out too. of all of it, some hearing loss. And obviously it hasn't affected you too bad because you both are successful uh, artists and musicians. So that's good. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah, so like kind of moving along, um, obviously that hasn't affected you too much and, and you've done really well. Um, you did mention that you went briefly on American Idol. Um, I have heard a lot of different people's experiences on the show. Um, mixed reviews, I must say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, if you kind of want to tell me about that, um, just, I mean, what age or, or what year you auditioned and... I believe it was 2015 and I was on the 2016 season. Okay. Um, that was during my senior year of high school. So that was real exciting <laughs> yeah. to just like leave school for two weeks. And all my teachers were like, sweet. I was at a public, public school. So they weren't like judging me for it. They were like, good for you, man. So right. I just left school and did that. Um, I went back obviously cause I only made it through, um, the initial trial thing. And then I auditioned for the celebrity judges, which is where like everybody goes like thousands of people. So I submitted a video and then I went and did that. And then after that, they sent me to Hollywood, got the golden ticket, the classic. And, uh, were you on the show? Like, did it air? I appeared for like three seconds. (laughs) Hey, it counts. Yes. It counts for something. Yeah. <laughs> it's out there. You could find it if you looked really hard. Yeah. But if you don't do some serious digging, you won't find me. <laughs> I love that. Um, so so you did audition for, who were the judges at the time? It was Jennifer Lopez, Keith Urban, and Harry Connick Jr. Wow. Yeah. I do remember those seasons. I admittedly have not watched American Idol in a very long time. And to be honest, I don't even know if it's still on. Maybe I actually don't know either. I have no idea. Um, but yeah, I, I guess that kind of comes full circle too. Um, cause I was playing for Laura Walsh at the time and then we met. Yeah. Um, so that was really cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, kind of fast forwarding to now you came out with your latest album in February. Yes. Right. So I've listened to, probably about three quarters of it off and on. And a, and a lot of that was um, preparing for when we did that video shoot, mm-hmm. which I am thankful that you had me part of that. That was super cool. Um, I remember that we were in a big circle in a church room. We were, and I'm just going to, um, I'm just going to make the disclaimer that I did not know how to do videos then. <laughs> it turned I've out learned well. a lot. I've learned a lot since then. It looked good though. I saw the final product. I thought it looked really good. I I have some changes that okay. I would make, but okay. I appreciate that. I thought it was cool. There was a lot of fog and cool lights. Yeah. And I was like, I know camera magic is gonna make this look way better than it does sitting in fog. Yes. <laughs> but I remember that we had to do like I don't know, eight or nine takes because you had to have one on each player and then different ones collectively for different shots. Mm -hmm. But me being on drums, I'm like faking hitting things. Yeah. I was like, I haven't done this before. Yeah. I haven't done a lot of video stuff. So that was super cool. But um, what song was that for? It was called You're Not Done. So that was the first single that I released of all of this new material that I've just released. So that was Um, not on this album. That was pre-Nashville. Okay. Yeah. So that was actually right before I left to go record this album. It was technically a part of the whole collection. Right. uh, But yeah, it was released as like a live thing. So your 
dad's name is Chris. Chris Muglia. And I remember listening to some of his stuff, I think, as well. But he's mm-hmm. like pretty successful worship Christian artist. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's he's a very successful man in okay. many ways. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he does. He's We're all Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the Catholic Church is where his music is really well known. Right. Um, I'm super glad that you stuck with the worship side of things. I feel like a lot of people want to go down that path. And I don't know if it's a more difficult like genre to get into, or maybe it's easier. I don't know a lot about it besides the fact that I've played thousands of worship songs at different churches through the years. Um, but I just, I think it's really cool that you really stuck with that. And, and like, I'm not just saying this at all because you're here, but, your music is so, I don't know what word I want to use, but like pure. It's so like true to biblical stories, I feel like, and, and the gospel in general. And I mean, you have some like fun, somewhat poppy songs, but like your writing, I feel like goes a lot deeper than a lot of stuff that I've heard commercially. And I'm really hoping that what you do transfers over and and can start becoming popular because it's just, it's honestly so good. Um, So I kind of want to know about like your writing process and maybe your journey discovering that you wanted to go that route other than like, I'm going to be a a pop alternative star. Yeah. Well, thanks for saying that, man. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, where to start on that one? Um, I have always been kind of a writer. Mm-hmm. My dad, when I was in like third grade, was like, hey, let's write some songs. And of course they were like my songs, but he would like put the chords together and like kind of help me with the words. So uh-huh. that was my first experience um, with writing was him kind of showing me what to do and didn't touch it again for many years until high school when I started writing love songs for girls that I liked. There you go. that's how we all start. And um, That's how it all ends too, I think. (laughs) That's how it ended for me, Uh, at that chapter at least. So I did that for a while, and um, I really liked Ed Sheeran, really liked John Mayer. That was kind of my wheelhouse, and... After the American Idol experience, kept doing pop for a little while, Mm -hmm. got involved in a great campus ministry, and I was always, I was raised Catholic. I always called myself Catholic, but for any Christian, there is a day when you you choose to make it your own. So for me, that happened in college, and I was directing music at the Newman Center on ASU campus at the time. Yeah, that's right. That was where we did the the video. That's where we did that. Okay. And... um, I was leading music for masses and worship nights and all kinds of stuff. And I just thought, hey, I I can write this kind of thing. And there's actually some stuff that I want to hear that I'm not hearing. And so that was kind of a, a way for me to write my way in, write what I wanted to hear. Yeah, that's super important. Like th- what you just said, there's things that I want to hear that I'm not. So I'll create it myself. Like... That that is so insightful, um, and and I think that's what more artists should focus on is like, hey, I, I I'm not hearing like there, there's a void somewhere in music that I want to hear. Well, make it yourself if you can. Yeah. Um, but you, um, so, so it's somewhat recent that you kind of made that I don't want to say switch, but somewhat of a switch to worship music from maybe going more commercial let's call it yeah pretty recent it's only been about um five or six years okay yeah have you been writing worship music for a long time but just not releasing it or or did you kind of have to make that like mental switch to no i'm going to start writing 
in a different way? Well, I grew so I grew up in the church. Worship music was always a part of my life because of my dad, and I used to sing with my dad like all through my childhood. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is after I had this kind of conversion experience, I started to relate to that kind of music in a way that before I was just like, what are these four chord songs <laughs> that, you know, like I never had a desire to write that kind of music. Um, but at some point I realized it's actually quite a bit harder to write a song that only has four chords and is still good. And so <laughs> you can only do it so many times. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I just loved to, at that point, I just loved to be in God's presence and to pray and to worship. And it was very fresh, but I also was super passionate about the kind of music I liked, which was like Bonnie Vare, John Mayer, ah, okay. Coldplay. And so I started bringing some of that over while also keeping that congregational singable element. Um, and that's how you end up with my stuff. I love that. That is so cool. Who are some of your favorite? So uh, obviously you said like Coldplay, John Mayer, um, Bon Iver. Um, who was the fourth one you had said? Um, you started off saying John Mayer and somebody else was like, oh, uh, Ed, Ed Sheeran. Sheeran. So like, so those are some of your favorite artists on the worship side of things. Who are some of your favorites? Matt Marr. Okay. Um, amazing writer. Oh yeah. He's, he's written some of the most beautiful music in Christian music. I just, I really connect with it. And lyrically, I would say that he is, uh, yeah, he's just right on. I, I love his lyrics. It has that very pure element that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. And, and when I say pure, I mean like very meaningful, not just because I, I really do feel like in any genre of music, there is a commercial aspect um, that some artists grab onto and worship slash Christian music is no different. Like I think you can get cliche in anything and some of those like big, you know, banger worship songs, if that's what you want to call it, that are like the big church songs. It's like, they get a little corny. Um, For sure. So that, so that's, that described the, the pure yeah, yeah, aspect totally. of things. Yeah. I love, uh, Matt Mars music, huge fan. Um, I love, he's great. Cause he's got awesome music and his so much heart to it. Yeah. Like the guy was a jazz pianist and oh, I didn't know so that. he's, he's pulling from a deep well of music. Um, very cool. And that is something I respect. I, I really like the brilliance. Um, they have mm-hmm. a lot of really interesting chord changes. Um, interestingly enough, I enjoy a lot of worship songs when I'm worshiping, but there are plenty of them that I love to worship to, but would never really just jam to in the car right? Uh, for musical satisfaction. Yeah. So there's always that element of like, do I want like prayerful entertainment that I listen to, or do I want something that is my favorite thing to hear a thousand people sing? I think those are two very different worlds. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, there are thousands of examples of songs, um, for myself in any genre that like, I would love to hear this live, but I don't necessarily want to listen to this in the car. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think it goes to that like, um, argument of, this band's way better live. This band's not as good live. Um, this song is fun in a certain atmosphere with a group of people. It's just that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, worship music to me has always been interesting because I feel like you can get away with a lot more musically in a positive way than you can with commercial pop. So like for myself, I listen to a ton of progressive music you know, odd time changes and long drawn out seven minute songs and whatever it may be. Um, that's obviously not really radio friendly back in the day. Some of the pink Floyd Led Zeppelin, some of that stuff was, um, but nowadays that's very, very rare. Mm -hmm. Um, or even, um, 
American Pie. Like, what a classic song that is an odd song. Yeah. Yet it was a huge hit. Um, but yeah, but, at, you know, in, in the worship world, like doing these eight minute versions of you repeat the chorus however many times at the end. And I, I love that there's a place for that. Mm-hmm. And I have really, really enjoyed playing in church settings. Um, I mean, really for the past, I guess it's been eight years since I started playing in churches and I've played at a lot of different kinds and um, I mean, they've all been like Lutheran or Christian or non-dom uh, non-dom or whatever, but um, it's just, there's so much music out there that I, I enjoy to listen to and that was kind of a hidden genre for me Yeah. until I got into the church world. And I was like, wow, there's a lot of really good songs. Yeah. But what's super interesting too, is that you'll get a hit on the radio that another Christian artist will cover. And then that version will be on the radio. Not long after. Isn't that right? You look at a, a version on the radio. Oh, somebody else covers it. And then that's on the radio. Too. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really listen to Christian radio, okay. but I can say that because uh, I'm a Spotify guy, so like what I listen to is kind of what I dig up. Right. But um, there is an emphasis on song mm-hmm. over artist in the church world where you can get an amazing song that the person who wrote it might not even be the the singer of it, and 20 people record it. Every church in America plays it. Mm-hmm. Whereas in pop music, you have this phenomenon where like some big artists release a song and just because they are the artists that they are, you know, Bruno Mars releases a song just because he's Bruno Mars, that song is going to get heard. Absolutely. And it, I think it's a little bit different. You have a more song centric kind of focus in the church world. Uh, agreed. And like what you said about it's going to be a popular song because Bruno Mars released it is where I start getting frustrated because it's like, okay, you start watching the Grammys and whatever award show. And it's like this, not, I don't want to say the same people win every year. There's always like a breakout artist. Like I remember when Billie Eilish came out and won however many awards that was kind of different. That was new, fun to watch. However, just because somebody like a Taylor Swift or Bruno Mars is so big already, they're almost expected to win something every year. And that's always been a very hard thing for me to accept. It's like, I understand they are big for a reason, (laughs) but a lot of that reason sometimes is money backing them. (laughs) And like, they're so many albums that are released a year yet year after year it's a lot of the same artists that we're seeing um that was kind of a tangent but as far as i mean i think even culturally if you look at like disney or like star star wars is a great example uh now we're just gonna get 30 more star wars shows which i'm okay with because i love star wars right but nobody's like you have all these like big franchises that they're just like, now we, you know, we have a subscription to this, a subscription to that, and they just keep making like the same thing. And because of the big name that it has, it gets the attention, which is really interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, like Star Wars, they can keep creating stories that weren't written before necessarily. I mean, it's not like comic books where. Spider-Man has however many origin stories possibly and they keep releasing them. And, but I mean, that's, that's a good example, I guess as well. It's like, how many times have we seen Spider-Man do the same story? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And we keep going to see them and they're going to keep doing it and they'll make a ton of money. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's super cool, man. I, I, I'm just glad that you have explored this genre and felt like it was the right thing to do. 
Um, and, and obviously, like, if you want to release a pop record, you can release a pop record. Mm-hmm. If you want to write 12 love songs, you can. I mean, I guess it'd be a little weird if you came out with, like, hardcore and inappropriate rap. That would be... <laughs> a little change for you that'd be a 180 yeah you can go you can go from kanye to gospel but you can't go from gospel to kanye (laughs) wow that's a good point yes he did do that yep that's yep i'm ready to end the podcast that's a great point i didn't even think about that yeah i don't think he can go back to being kanye like old kanye i think he's kind of stuck now yeah <laughs> uh, I, who knows though i don't the world we live in i i don't know what is possible and not possible so that's really funny though um what is kind of up next for you next i am you know i'm starting to have a lot of really cool opportunities to share all this music that i wrote back in february mm-hmm. um and just going out and doing more and um starting to travel a little bit and share music, which is, which is just very fun. It's, it's awesome to be able to go and share songs and kind of see people connect with them. And, uh, so I'm doing a little bit of that, but really what's on my mind is to go back into the cave and write, (laughs) yeah, write 300 more songs and take the best 10. 300 songs. (sighs) That's what I did last time. So did you really, I did. Yeah. Whoa. So what is your, what is your song writing process like? And I'm not, and I'm not just talking about like, I write lyrics first or I have a melody in my head. Like, are you recording every single little idea that you have? Um, So macro level, how do you get to the album process? Okay. Um, What I do is I try not to give every idea too much credit. So my first record was like that came out of a pool of 12 songs. Okay. Maybe 15. And your first record was when? Uh, 2019. Okay. And I gave every idea a lot of credit. Now I don't run with every idea, but like if I recorded it, if I got a verse and a chorus, it was like, okay, this is a song. Mm-hmm. Now leading up to my previous record, I was a little more cutthroat about what a song actually is. <laughs> um, so just because I recorded it doesn't mean that I would ever use it again. And I might write a lyric and I might wait three years before that lyric actually gets made into something. Or I might write a chorus that ends up being the bridge of another song. And just through the process of collecting and collecting and collecting for months and months and months i will end up with such a big pool of ideas and creativity that once i sit down to kind of sort it out it 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 turns into something that's exactly what i wanted to hear i love hearing i have a chorus idea i have a verse idea i have a bridge idea that went to another song i love that and that's i am not I am a songwriter. <laughs> I have written many songs. Not anybody's maybe heard it. I have, but <laughs> but I have written songs. Um, and that's something that I've always struggled to do is I get halfway done with the song and I go, wow, that's a super meaningful, deep verse. Oh, that chorus is so catchy. Oh, I have to write another verse. Oh, I have to write a bridge. Oh, I'm lazy now. I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, I mean, as far as like your recording process, is this a lot of phone memos? Do you actually record it into a DAW, into a, a recording software? Like, how are you doing that? Um, like I said, my ideas, I, I just don't give any one idea a whole lot of credit unless it's like super good and I play it for someone and they're like, that's it. Then I will go and record it. But typically, it's a phone memo, and it goes in a Dropbox folder that's titled by the month and the year. It's like October 2022. Okay. There's all my October ideas. There's all my November ideas. By the time I've done that enough times, I go through and listen, and my voice notes app literally crashes when I try to search anything (laughs) because there's like 
probably 20,000 memos on that thing. Yeah. Um, so I have to export it to Dropbox or files and I'll sort it out that way. And then from there, I show people the ideas raw. I used to show them produced ideas, but I've realized you can hide a bad song behind production. So yes, you can. <laughs> if it doesn't sound good on the guitar, I won't. I won't do anything with it. Yeah, man, you're right. But there's also like bad songs that you don't want to like, but there's something about the production, kind of like you're saying. It's like, oh man, I really like this very simple guitar part, but the song's kind of trash overall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. that becomes problematic when you go do a solo gig and you got to play that thing on acoustic guitar. Yeah, that really cool guitar part you can't play because you have to strum the chords. Yeah. And there's a place for that. There's, I do believe there is studio art and there's singer-songwriter stuff. Like John Bellion... He's he's amazing. Mm-hmm. He's very very good. Great singer-songwriter, but also his stuff is like you're not going to recreate that on a guitar. So that's yeah. like studio art is a whole other work of art. So you're saying somebody like John Bellion like he can really do both, but but there is art to what he's doing in the studio as opposed to if he was sitting here right now with just guitar, it's not going to be the same thing. Right. And yeah. his his songs are great still. Right. You still can, at the end of the day, play it on a guitar. And... Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, I even think, just because you mentioned uh, Bon Iver, like, his studio magic that goes on just his guitar tone and his vocals and the crazy verb and double and tripled vocal takes and, like, yeah, that'd be very interesting to hear dry in person mm-hmm. as opposed to, now I haven't seen him live, I don't know if you have, but live obviously you can do that as well but yeah like an acoustic show you're not gonna fake that yeah and and that's why i love that's why i love going to see local music because uh, you know obviously in any state and town there's gonna be really great artists and hey maybe you should keep your day job sort of artists but when you find somebody and we both know a ton of them just in Arizona mm-hmm. that have amazing songs or, or even they're playing cover songs, but they make them sound amazing literally with an acoustic guitar in their voice. There's something really special to that. Yeah. And I'd like to think that not a lot of people can do it, but I mean, in my business, it's a good thing. I do know a lot of people that can do it really well. And that's what's so special about live music. And then it kills me to have everybody talking over it at dinner in a restaurant. It's like, <laughs> do you hear what this person's doing? <laughs> yeah. It's interesting, man. I, I am, I'm not one to get offended at the restaurant. Like, I, I don't know why it's, I kind of find it like pressurized practice. It's like, People are listening, so I can't mess up. So there's like a little bit of practice. Uh, like they're not really listening, but they're they're here. So I still have to give it my best. Yeah. And I find that when the people are not intently listening is when I like put a little more flavor into to what I'm doing because it's like, well, I'm just messing around here. So it's I, yeah. I kind of like that vibe. I Of course, I love a captive audience a lot more, but... Yeah. <laughs> Captive audiences are stressful to play for though. I don't want to say stressful, but nerve wracking. Um, I remember actually we're going to bring Laura Walsh up again. She played a house concert for just a group of, um, they were older people probably in their fifties or so. And they liked having local musicians come in. They set up a stage and in their living room and, they just loved music so much, which is so cool that they'd bring in local musicians for concerts. And I remember getting up on their little makeshift makeshift stage and dead quiet and like 40 people, all eyes on you and like face to face, like you and I are right now. And it's like, Oh, they're really listening now. (laughs) Like you can make a little mistake in a restaurant and it's like, ah, I was trying something new. Yep oops, whatever. 
You make a little face and it's like, okay, carry on. But you do that in a very, very captive setting. Whew, there's no way to recover. <laughs> right. Yeah, that living room setting to me is more scary than 50,000. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, or, or a super intimate coffee shop. Um, I think you were you were an artist that used to play at, um, was it Sozo? Yeah. Quite a bit. Yeah. I'm sure Great you place. had. Yeah. Are they still doing music? They are. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I played a, I played a CD release thing with Jacob Morris there. And, Sweet. And yeah, it's like, I mean, there's like a hundred people there, but dead quiet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, don't mess up because everybody's going to hear it. Yeah. So we've, we've both been in that setting quite a few times. Um, but yeah, I mean like what, what are you doing with, uh, so, so, so you said that you're going to have another 300 song, let, songs, let's say, and you got to narrow that down to however many, where are you in that process right now? Hmm. I started writing. So the last thing that I wrote that got included on, I have a father mm-hmm. was actually, you're not done, which was the first one to come out. Oh, cool. Um, so I wrote that we had already kind of gone through like the process of picking songs and I just crammed that on the list Mm -hmm. and it ended up getting released. That was two years ago in August that I wrote that one. So now, uh, it's been two years, obviously releasing an album is in this world, a full-time job. Yeah. Because if you don't do, if you don't post every three days, you're not getting more than five streams on Spotify. That's a whole other conversation, but Oh man, I can't imagine. And and it's not yeah, it's not something I enjoy doing is the the self-promotion aspect of it is it's crazy these days. It's like you got to stay relevant or else. And um so so real quick, so you're saying that you're still every few days posting things about the album that came out 6 months ago now. I did for about a year. Okay. Yeah, that whole campaign lasted from July to maybe March. For this album or for For this previous one that this this one that I released from the one I recorded in Nashville. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Yeah. Um that was a giant campaign. And um it was great. Like I enjoy making the content. Uh but there comes a point when it's there's that inner voice that's like nobody wants to hear about my album again like there's (laughs) there's bigger things going on in the world and and here i am like gonna post it again but hey it worked and uh people are listening um but yeah that takes a lot of time so to write while doing that is a really interesting experience because one half of your brain is getting the reward of i wrote music and it's good and people are like complimenting it and the other half of my brain is like it needs to work and because i'm getting that reward after all the songs have already been written it becomes very hard to like write a song that you know what i mean it's like it's almost like why hunt when i'm harvesting right now (laughs) so it's um that was that was tricky. It's, that was my first time really doing a giant campaign to release. So to write on the top of that, um, it wasn't my best year of writing, but I did still do a ton of writing. Um, I think I'm probably like, I would like to see about twice as much material as I currently have before I think about releasing any of it. Okay. When you are wanting to write, are you very intentional about it? Like, like I'm going to go sit down and write, or is it just something that comes to you in the shower? It's both, but the, sh- the coming to you in the shower does not happen to me personally. Okay. Unless I'm already in the mindset of essentially making myself right. So if I'm not, if I don't turn on, the like flashlight in my mind to like shine light on new creative things, I won't see it. And so in order to get myself looking, I have to force myself to write. Mm -hmm. 
And then maybe later that day, it'll be like, oh, there it is. But it almost never just hits me in the head while I'm walking around. Yeah, I've, I've had very few moments like that. But when it does, I think that's something special. Because it's like, why is this entering my brain randomly? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you if it is in the shower, you dry off, get a towel, and you're like, eh, I forgot it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's gone. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I really hope that you continue gaining followers and, and success because I mean, I hope that for anybody, but I, I love the direction, like I've said a few times that you've gone and, and it's cool how intentional you can be about writing and, and kind of turn that on and off. Um, I remember for a short period of time when I was getting a little bit more serious about writing that it was almost frustrating because it was at this time in my life where I was trying to not write songs about my wife and just love songs in general and like very cliche things. And so I would see something or think of something and be like, Ooh, could that be a song? And it kind of started driving me nuts. I, I mean, literally, I was constantly like, ooh, that could be a song. Oh, that could be a line. Oh, I should write that down. And, and it got exhausting. Um, so I I think that's nice that you can turn it on and off, it sounds like. <laughs> I don't know if I, well, I don't know if I can. Like, there's always a part of me that's going to want to say something. Mm-hmm. And that's why I write. And... I will always have musical things to say, but I don't know what they are yet. It's really interesting. Like a lot of people idealize the artist and think like, well, this artist has this idea in his brain already. All he has to do is put it on the canvas. But Mm -hmm. I actually don't think anyone already has the idea. Like you need to spend hours in front of the canvas and then the idea comes. And I'm, I'm pretty used to making myself sit in front of the canvas at this point. I don't think I have like just a backlog of millions of ideas to just let out. What is, what is your setting for a canvas? Um, I put together a little bedroom studio, like the one we're currently in. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, it's a beautiful studio by the way, Thank you for the listeners. Um, they'll never see it. (laughs) It's secret. Yes. Um, it has, a, uh, I used to have tons of stuff in it, like all these decorations, um, like lights. I, I went a little fancy during the lockdown when nobody could leave their house. Oh, and it was, it was yeah. all about how like, like all these, all these YouTubers had like, you know, fancy video spaces. Yep. I kind of went for that. And then after like six months of being in that, I was like, no, nah, I just, I need an empty room, a piano and a guitar. And oh, so, wow. That's kind of where it is now. And there's a there's like a recording desk in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's pretty much it. Wow. Yeah, see, I'm all about vibes. <laughs> <laughs> as as you can probably tell, really like purple lights. Uh, that's all a giveaway about my studio. Yes, there's, there's purple I, no, lights. I love, I love when people have like a decked out studio. I'm a big nerd for it. But for me, I'm, I also sleep in the room that I... Um, right that I work in because I have a bunch of roommates and Uh I had to get rid of I used to have one room for music and then Mm. I would sleep in the other one and I paid extra rent and then that wasn't working anymore so I I just got like a roll-up mattress that I just roll up and stick in the closet when I'm not sleeping no way yeah so I literally sleep like in the floor in the middle of the room and uh because I'd rather have a place to work what a true musician. So you it's are. like <laughs> it's like I'd rather have a studio than yeah. a giant bed that takes up my entire room. So Okay, I gotta go back to roll up. Are we are we talking about like an air mattress? It's a futon. But it rolls up? Yeah, so not like the futon that you see at IKEA where it's like a couch. Yeah. This is a futon mattress, which uh-huh. is a, a Japanese thing. Like it rolls up. And it's like four inches thick. Hmm. And um, as long as you sleep well, I mean, yeah. Like, why do we give? Why do people give an entire room, like, 
80% of it goes to the bed. Don't get me started on this. I had this exact same thought maybe a week ago. My wife and I are in bed and I go, why is there this big emphasis on like, look at my bedroom. Mm -hmm. It's in the name. It's a room for a bed. Yep. Some of my best night's sleep have been on my living room couch. Like, I understand there's like a privacy aspect, but like, it's my wife and I in this house, okay? Yeah. I can sleep on the couch without kids bothering me or whatever it may be. So that's really funny. My my buddy Colton Avery. Um, do you know Colton Avery? I know Colton, yeah. Okay. I opened for him at the Rhythm Room. That's way right. Way back when. That's right. Um, yeah, Colton's a good friend of mine. He's a... Uh, He's playing a show actually coming up here at um, Kirlin Commons in, in a few weeks. And I'm, I'm going to actually That play man it. is a dedicated songwriter. That man is a very dedicated yeah. songwriter. And let me go further to how dedicated he is. When he was probably 19, 20, and I was like 15 or 16, I think there's a few years in between us. I remember driving all the way out to his house in Peoria, where he was living with his parents at the time. This was years ago. It was 10 years ago or more. And uh, his room, which was supposed to be his bedroom, was always my goal to have a home studio. He had it decked out. It was perfect. He had an idea board. Um, just like all the really, but it was very neat and clean. And I was like, oh, I get why you get, I, I get why you have ideas in this room. Cause it's like, it's, it's inspiring, mm-hmm. but he had a couch, no bed. And I remember just always being like, why don't you have a bed? It's a big room. And he's like, it's just a waste of space. Like the couch is, it's vibey. I can sit on it. I can songwrite. I can sleep on a couch. It's fine. And I was like, dude, you're a different, you have a different mindset. Yep. And what, what the really funny part uh, was is that I, I lived in, I've always lived in East Mesa, but at the time I was still living at my parents' house and, and that was like an hour drive. And so sometimes I'd stay in their um, guest bedroom when we were hanging out and writing or playing shows for a few days. And I started thinking, I was like, why am I sleeping in this guest bed? <laughs> and you're not <laughs> like you have a bedroom down the hall. Yet you're like, no, no, no the couch is cool. It's like this pride thing. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but um kudos to both of you uh, yeah moral of the story for this episode get rid of your bed <laughs> you will be more do successful better things with your life <laughs> just don't have a bedroom yes you just make it into a studio and then if you have let's say three bedrooms just get rid of all your beds and you'll have way more <laughs> space for productive activities you don't need sleep and no you do you need sleep well sleep is i mean I sleep better on on the floor or on the the hard futon mattress. So I'm gonna buy you a bed at some point for a gift and be like Thomas, it's it's time to stop roughing it. <laughs> I won't. I won't use it. I actually won't. Like oh, I love that. If I crash at my parents' house, I'm bringing the futon. Do you really? I have done it. Yep. Oh, I love that. Yep. There's some. There's some about dedicated songwriters apparently this is this is going to be my next question for every songwriter that comes over i'm going to be like do you have a bed (laughs) they're like in fact i have a king size bed ah well you should probably get rid of it yep you're going to sleep on (laughs) the floor or your uh studio desk pick one (laughs) i have a roommate also a musician full-time musician is Um, this ben not ben okay not ben but he's amazing uh other musician friend who he moved in with us in the fall and uh, he no longer has a bed. You converted him? He's converted. He Now he just has a piano because we have these tiny little rooms. So like if you want to have a workspace, you got to, you got to just use the room you got. I am forgetting that you are sharing a house. Yes. So yeah, this will not last for the concerned listeners. This will not be a forever thing. (laughs) <laughs> could you imagine like i i released this podcast and people are like we're gonna start a gofundme for thomas's bed i actually don't want uh, one though i know i know but at some point 
we're going to get you a bed, but then a separate studio space. Yes. So you can enjoy both. But maybe the magic would go away. The magic. If you're going to start a GoFundMe, it's going to be for a second room, not for a bed. Or a record. Dedicated sleeping room. Yeah. Or a second, third record, maybe. Or a record. Records are expensive, are they not? They are. Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, very blessed to have a, um, a kind of a, a record label involved. It, they are kind of a record label. They're also kind of just a publisher. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a huge blessing because I crowdfunded my first my first one. And that's, you know, that's fun because people are like involved in it and they want to hear the outcome. But that was a 2019 record. Yes. Okay. And the, the amount that you can do on crowdfunding is just a little different than when there's a label involved. Yeah, absolutely. And then, so where did you record the 2019 record, which is called, it's called, I have a father. Okay. It was recorded at the smokestack in Nashville, which is, um, run by Paul Moak, who's the producer. Um, he's done tons of great records and he's an analog enthusiast. Really? So everything's analog. Like everything you hear on that record, there might be like one or two samples. Wow. But if you hear a, like, I don't even know what kind of stuff, like we were using all kinds of wacky instruments, but like we had real Mellotron, real, like, all the pianos were just different pianos that were real in the mm-hmm. room. Um, all the preamps. Not, not my little MIDI uh, setup over here that I can <laughs> no. put everything on. <laughs> um, like, reverb, rack units. Like, no the actual, like, lexicon thing that sits on the desk. Like, yeah, all, everything was real, which, for a musician, awesome. it, it felt like going to Disneyland. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so then your latest record was record, recorded where? That was the one at at the smokestack. Oh, was it my was. latest one. The one so that I crowdfunded one that. Yeah. was um in my dad's studio space. Okay. Which is basically like what you'd get from a home studio, but he rents a complex for it. So okay. he has like some preamps and some mics and what like a sound booth. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's pretty amazing what we can do from uh, a little desk. And I mean, as I long as you don't have a bed. As long as you don't have a bed. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is why I'm not a successful songwriter because I have a bed. Yep. Well, I've learned a lot today. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not going to keep you much longer because I know you need to drive and go play Ultimate Frisbee. Yes. Which I'm very jealous. That's your great uh, sport. It is a great sport. I used to play quite a bit in high school and we got pretty aggressive. Like kind of scary. I remember hitting people really hard, like <laughs> <Wow>. body to body <laughs> accidentally. Well, cause okay. we used to play uh ultimate Frisbee at night, which is not a smart move. No. Cause I remember we used to play with like a lighted Frisbee. Yeah, but I do remember some very hard impacts that I was like, this probably shouldn't be happening during yeah. Frisbee. I stick I stick to disc golf. Pretty low impact. Disc golf is a good one. You can, not that I've ever been inebriated while playing disc golf, but you can uh, if you really want to. It's kind of like the stoner sport, to be honest with you. <laughs> I feel like Ultimate Frisbee, you need to be a little bit more uh, conscious in what you're doing. You definitely need to be... Uh aware which is why playing at night is not a good not a good call don't play at night um well dude i mean if you do you want to play a song or do you not want to play a song i don't care i'm down to play a song um before we wrap up i do want to say on the podcast this is groove groove groovecast groovecast um thank you so much for what you do for all of us local musicians it is Seriously, it's been life-changing for me. I remember you calling me for the first gig down at the Montauk. Was it the Montauk? Uh, It was the Montauk. And I I had been gigging before that, but for some reason, the music scene out here was just like, it was kind of um, frontier. Like, there wasn't a whole lot of consistency. Venues were kind of coming in and out. Artists were coming in and out. 
and you have really created an awesome space for artists and for venues to both get what they need and it's it's been super beneficial for both of us so thank you i cannot tell you how much i appreciate that and you have been a massive asset to this dream that i created um and 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 i really mean that i mean i i'm sure i've sent you a text a time or two that's like hey whoever's asking you to pick it up and be more upbeat (laughs) which i've had to tell i think everybody at this point um i'm gonna have some clients listen to be listen to this they're gonna be like is that was that me yes it was you (laughs) um but seriously you are crazy talented and i am just so happy that I am able to provide any sort of living for talented artists and 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 like you said hopefully um, have some organization to it so um, I can't tell you how much that means so I appreciate it man of course man thank you um, play me a song you have a capo I do have a capo it's on my other guitar hold on Okay, I'm back. Tell me about the song that you are going to perform. All right. Uh, should I move this to a more guitar recording location? I don't know. Play it real quick. Nope, it's picking it up. We're good. Okay. It's just kind of an ambient mic, so you're good. Is this plugged in? No. no. We're just all ambient. Okay. Just a room mic. All right. It's going to sound great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Um, so I'm going to play you one of my favorite songs, personal. It's like a, the most personal lyric to me. It's called let my tongue be silenced, uh, from Psalm 137. And that's where the line is from. Let my tongue be silenced. If I ever forget you, Lord. And, um, as a Christian musician, it's, it's always important to me that I'm honest. So This is a song about that. Awesome. What could it be Moving my heart To sadness and shame and defeat I've tasted and seen The glorious heights Grace was the air I would breathe. My God, help me see what's in the way of my place and your company. Knowing your grace, it's me who has done the replacing. Let my tongue be silenced if I ever forget you, Lord. Let my name. That they remember yours My God, when all said and done But you say that you know me Oh, too many times have I strayed Out on the run have I squandered my fortune Or pretended to live by your name I'll turn back to grace again Where the Father awaits Another repeat Rise and I sink Rise and I fall to the deep How am I free? Most of my deeds are self-interested slavery to me. My God, I believe you are the maker of all that the eye can see. What about me? I say that I've changed and I stray like the sheep. Let my tongue be silenced if I ever forget you. 
Let my name be forgotten That they remember yours My God, when all said and done But you say that you know me Oh, too many times have I strayed Out on the run have I squandered my fortune Oh, pretend to live by your name I'll turn back to grace again Where the Father waits With the warm embrace For the one of the hundred who strayed Oh, how could I not change my ways When I gaze on His merciful face He calls my name That they remember yours My God, when all said and done But you say that you knew me Oh, too many times have I strayed Out on the run have I squandered my fortune Oh, pretend to live by your name I'll turn back to grace again Father awaits Where my father awaits Absolutely amazing. Thank you. Such a good song. Dude, I literally speechless that's that's one person playing by the way for anybody that not watching because uh <laughs> that's a super intricate guitar part and then to sing over the top of it perfect may i add dude absolutely incredible thank you so much for being here thomas muglia uh have fun playing ultimate frisbee and you know don't give up the whole music thing you're really good at that <laughs> thank you man thanks for having me it means a lot see you guys